to another installment of the fifth column podcast uh this is your almost weekly rhetorical <laughs> assault on the news cycle the people that make it and ourselves this is episode 36 uh it is uh it's gonna be a royal rumble and a, and a bit of a disaster uh two two brief program advisories uh this episode is dedicated to all the teachers uh that told me i'd never amount to nothing uh, to all those people that called the cops on me when I was hustling in front of their building, just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. Uh, yeah. Second, uh, this <laughs> program totally uh, typically features respectful, <laughs> nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and uh, spurious allegations. For best results, please listen repeatedly, over and over and over again, at very low speeds. Uh, today, uh, me, Camille Foster of Freethink Medium, joined by uh, Matt Welch, editor-at-large at Reason Magazine. And Michael Moynihan, back from his uh, sojourn, sojourn abroad uh, yeah, with Vice News, yeah. doing some, doing some work some, out there. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? Doing great, Camille. And if Good. this, by the way, is your ultimate uh, middle finger to the people who said you'd fail. Yeah, it is. Um, pretty sad. Actually. <laughs> this is a podcast that nobody pays for. I, Many people listen. We have a very uh, dedicated and uh, growing and quite large uh, listenership. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, they don't give us anything. So. Now, I suspect it, I know that there's a lot of sarcasm there. I want to be sure that you know, really. and perhaps for the benefit of some of our especially listeners, no sarcasm especially there. especially Matt Welch, yeah, mm-hmm. that was from Juicy. That was from Juicy. What yeah, are you talking that's, about? That's, that's the front end of Juicy. What are you notorious big? Are you? Do are I you, need to play that? Are you starting? Oh shit! Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. Fort, Fort Green, Clinton Hill's own. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, you Fort know, it's Green, so. But, but it's so. It's so long ago yeah. that he he died. Right? Yeah. He died. Like when did he die? Yeah, yesterday. Actually, I, I make it sound like he just like had a heart yeah, attack or yeah. something. You're trying to prove that you have knowledge of, of Biggie Smalls. <laughs> you're shot by the LAPD. Too late for you. Anyway, mm-hmm. anyway. Matt Welch, do you have any uh, friendly banter at the front end of the show here? Do you have anything to say? Yeah, get it over with. I just thought that you were referring to the website. Juicy as an opening <laughs> yeah. salvo oh, into you your the, anti-Semitic the, the, the uh, Jewish website. Juicy. Yeah, uh, I wrote. You well, wrote for Juicy. I, I, I think <laughs> I wrote something for them. Yeah, I mean, really. I write for a lot of Jewish websites, despite uh, the fact that uh, I'm my last name's Moynihan. <laughs> they never. I really slipped it by them. Everyone says very clever people. Apparently yeah. not. There, there's because, so many things about because they make out the check to Michael Christopher Moynihan. I would think that your nose would be Jewish, except it's been broken so many yeah, times. Yeah, stupid. And by the like, way, Boston. and by the way, now I'm, I do live in a Hasidic neighborhood now and I don't know if I told this I, I, I fear the, that my the one about your about your daughter yeah I told my daughter about and her anti-Semitism well, you did talk, just, tell the show tell that story on this show I did tell that one yeah. she, she said like who are all the weirdos in yeah. your neighborhood yeah you did well, tell it's that not, I didn't tell the yeah. one about my daughter looking at the uh, <laughs> oh no <laughs> the Israeli flag oh above a above a, a apartment building in our neighborhood and saying daddy daddy it's the Jew signal it's true, <laughs> it's, true the it's Jew just signal. like Batman <laughs> this, by the way this is leading somewhere to our guests and <laughs> <laughs> but which one? Uh, but which I have no idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah Jimmy Fallon. Well, well this is the thing. Yeah. And, and you guys Pearl got in the corner have, have from the Long little, Island. You spoiled a little bit of the uh, surprise here. Uh, we, we have two guests today. Two. This is a first. Two guests. There is five of us in the room. There's, there's going to be all sorts of mansplaining going on. But, but, but you know what I also want to point out? Point out quickly because you're not going to point it out because you're going to fucking forget. Here we go. Is that, is, that, <laughs> is that this is the first time we've had a guest whose brother has been on the show. So continue. This is true. This mm. is true, but I'll let you guess which one. Mm. Uh, Jimmy Ophelia, our very good friend, Ophelia? comedian. 
Hey, failure, failure, failure. Uh, it is a uh, uh, Jimmy Fela. Uh, Jimmy Fela. That's what I, I corrected it. I'm sorry. No, sorry. no, I'm with it. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, it is an honor Damn to be it. here on the last episode. Yeah. Comedian, <laughs> comedian, <laughs> yeah. former cab driver, heartthrob, heartthrob, yeah. and uh, star of the new Amazon comedy special. Hold thing on, that yeah. drops in a little bit. Yeah. I'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah, no, I was going to do that. I was just going to praise you for your Biggie Smalls plagiarism. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate Biggie Smalls live from the kale capital of the world. It's a tribute. Damn it. It's a tribute. Uh, and we also have Jacob Siegel. Jacob Siegel, independent journalist, formerly of the Daily Beast and yeah. various other places. You will find his writing in many places. You'll also place. find uh, he and I and, and Moynihan slapping one another around in a, in a friendly way on I'm Twitter. I'm sorry, you also find Jake, Jake Siegel. I want to point this out. Room. Jake Siegel is a friend of mine. We've smoked a lot of cigarettes together in the past. We've is that what you were smoking? together in the past. I think that's yeah, called yeah, crack. Yeah, it's no, still it's called like, crack. And, and, uh, and I, I, made a, I tweeted something the other day. And let's just get right into it, by the way. I'm really fucking, it really chapped my ass. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, no. I yeah. tweeted something the other day. I, here, I'm, here I'm, si- I'm sitting on a stool right now. Mm. By the way, I, I look like I'm about to play a folk song, and yeah. I don't like... have a laptop, so I can't read my tweet. It's kind of Matthew Modine. I can, I can like read. Yeah, I can read. Why, your why can tweet? no one pronounce names? It's Matthew Modine for Christ's sake. I can. I can read. I'm just call him even... Jacob Seagal. Yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> that was off. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Uh, so uh, anyway, this. Uh, so I, I I tweet something. You know, with like a half. So, an, it, so it seems Richard Spencer in the, is the new Fred Phelps. Yeah. Yeah, and what we, yeah. I said something else after that, didn't I? The fridge psycho who gets media coverage widely disproportionate yeah. to his influence. Yeah, yeah. So I t- totally I, I, true. I, by I, the way. Yeah, and of mm. course it is. That's why we brought Completely the sac- sacrificial lamb of Jacob. <laughs> He's going to regret this. I mean, he already regrets this. Uh, so I tweet that with like uh, I don't know what time. I think it was like in the morning. I had like a half an eye open. You know, you know that, trying to you make know a that cup of uh, PG eight tips. minutes. You know that eight minute <laughs> pocket of the day where he has motor skills. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's fucking like the mongoose over here is like waiting <laughs> for this tweet. And I get, I get, you know, if it's somebody that I follow or somebody who's like a verified account, it pops up on your phone. And I hear this thing pop up and I'm like, ah, oh, just the kids are just going crazy for this tweet. Oh, they love it. They love it. <laughs> and Jake Siegel re- responds twice, not even once, twice, calling me uh, all b- bunch of names, which is totally fine. Shallow. Yeah, was, shallow. Uh, I remember. It was, it was shallow. Yeah. What was the other one? <laughs> false Antisem- and misleading. Anti Semitic. Yes. Uh, yeah. False and misleading. So far. The, pol- nor- the Norm Finkelstein. So far. Of the Twitterverse. Uh, Politifact gives him an A right now. Yeah. <laughs> so if we stop here. <laughs> no, so far, everything he says is totally. Right. Now we we and all. Then know. I went into the office. I just want to defend myself on one thing. I went to the office and uh-huh. I, I was because I just I just got back um, uh, like six hours before from like two weeks and like half of which was in the Arctic Circle. I come back. I have a pile of work to do, so I don't have a chance to respond to this because I want to respond to this. And then um, and then half the day goes by and I forget about it. And then it, 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 you know, Camille starts kicking up shit because he's just like a, just a jerk. And uh, the jerk store called. And, there, and, and so he's like, and, and so then today we said, uh, or I said, uh, Jake, come on, come on the podcast and defend yourself. Um, Jake, what is your uh, objection to, to my uh, brilliant tweet? So my objection, first of all. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> Pre-Kale Brooklyn stand-up. Listen, um, this is the most this is the most streamed podcast at Guantanamo Bay. I've heard. Of that. No, I mean, it, in brief, uh, my objection is that when I hear people try and uh, suggest that Spencer's like Phelps, and you're not the only one to do it, you're the only guy who I felt like compelled to respond. Yes, to. Yes, compelled yeah, to respond yeah, to. Yeah, uh, I just you think, have so much respect for me. 
Yeah, actually. Um, <laughs> that's not true. It is true. Yeah. That's, that's why I responded to you. We'll get we'll return to the irreverence in a second, but I mean that is why I responded to you. But the uh, the problem with that is that they have almost nothing in common, and that Spencer is a guy who is not a pure media phenomenon in the way that Phelps is, and that I think that these attempts to suggest that he is um, are not only misleading, but they they're pernicious because. The implication is that if the media just stops paying attention to him, he'll go away. But in fact, he grew this alternative right website and he grew to some extent the alternative right as this kind of oppositional ideology well before the media was paying any attention to it. And uh, and this is true. And it's a point out that Jake just wrote a piece on Paul Gottfried, uh, the kind of uh, like uh, court Jew. He's a Jewish, uh, right? He's a Jewish. Uh, is he's Jewish he's, German? German he, Jewish? Yeah, he's a practicing Jew. I mean, he says he he prefers to think of himself as a Hebrew. I mean, the way I think of uh, God. But he's, he was he he wrote for Alternative Right, the website that Richard mm-hmm. Spencer founded, right? Didn't didn't he? No, Gottfried wrote. Uh, for a number of places, Lou Rockwell, the American yeah. Conservative, Taki, Taki, yeah. where he still writes uh, occasionally. V there, yes, yeah. all, all of the it's above. a real just all a, the kind of the, the cream of the crop, yeah, the paleocon rogues, yeah, <laughs> kidrock.net, yes, yeah, that one too. <laughs> Godfried and Spencer were both part of the H.L. Mencken Society, yes, I remember that. And this. at a 2008 speech, um, the title of a 2008 speech that Spencer published at Tacky Mag became uh, Alternative Right. Was, I forget the exact title. I believe it was The, the Rise and something yeah. of the Alternative Right. And yeah. That's where the phrase comes, comes from. I get into the etymology a bit in that piece for Tablet. Yeah, I mean, the thing about it is there's a couple things, and I, I wonder if you'd agree with me on this one, because what I was sort of driving at, and I think Camille's um, defending me on this uh, when I was um, so you can, too you lazy can to your, do it. Your, yourself, no, but baby. I, I, I know that I they think can't that when the unbelievable press coverage that his conference got in uh, Washington D.C. and it was one of those things. There's probably you know two journalists to every participant. Uh, is that there is a desire I think on the part of the media, and I hate saying that because it's you know varied thing. To tie Donald Trump, and I hate to do the throat clearing, and I think there's a point where I'm going to actually stop doing it, who I find incredibly loathsome and would never have voted for and I, I think is a, is, a, is a bad person on almost every level and going to be a bad president. That said, I think there is a desire for the media to um, tie Donald Trump to the most extreme elements of the alt-right. And to do that, one has to kind of plump up the importance and the relevance of people like Richard Spencer, who, you're right, but prior to uh, Donald Trump, Richard Spencer was a thing, and I knew of him. You know, if you'd asked me three years ago who Richard Spencer was, I'd be able to answer that question, mm-hmm. because I knew who he was. And he, there was an, there's another guy, a really sinister... Uh, little fat man named uh, uh, Marcus Epstein. Does anyone remember this yeah. guy? Who is a racist? Uh, he's a very strange background. He's Jewish and he's also half, half Korean. Korean. Yeah, and he was uh, he was um, actually, I think, uh, arrested for, for attacking, assault, assaulting a black woman. And, and he always had a note from his mom. It was yeah. really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy was part of this universe. And there was a really, really sinister, gross. But, you know, the thing about the conservative movement that's interesting is so many of these crazy people started out in the mainstream. You know, it, it was, um, uh, you know, for instance, uh, the V-Dare 
Uh, Brimlow. Yeah, uh, Peter Brimlow. They're all British, too, by the way. Um, Derbyshire. John Derbyshire. Jared Taylor also. Jared Taylor. Who, a PC magazine. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he also wrote a book called Paid with Good Intentions about about um, affirmative action that was, I think, published by Simon & Schuster, a big publishing house like that. Uh, there, there are a whole uh, – uh, what's his name? Joe, the guy that uh, Bill Buckley ultimately fired. Uh, Joe, uh, Joe Sobron. Joe Sobron, yeah. who uh, – Sam Francis, for that Yeah, matter. Sam Francis. I mean, they, like, Joe Sobron ended his, uh, like, career – by like quoting like obscure neo-Nazi magazines that were like racialist magazines, mm-hmm. not in the way that you see like, you know, the SS tattoo guys kind of thing, but like, you know, fake sort of scientific racism magazines. And a lot of these people started, you know, at National Review, started in the mainstream. And then they said, oh, we're not winking at each other. This is actually, you guys are not totally cool with this. And then they kind of leave. So Spencer is somebody who is kind of hit a little bit because Taki you consider, could consider mainstream. The American conservative. The American conservative. He, he he started the American Conservative, and like you know, no surprise because it was started by Pat Buchanan, somebody else who's flirted with uh, you know paleo conservatism, you know, lurching over the border into Nazism. But you know, his influence on the Donald Trump, and this is the, where I, I agree with Camille on this, is that the alt right label I think means different things to different people, and I think when Steve Bannon says we're the home of the alt right, he's thinking of Milo Yiannopoulos uh-huh. mm-hmm. in this kind of you know fake. Uh, stunt. I don't even say stunt journalism. It's sort of stunt uh-huh. activism in a way, and you know, it's well, it's, it's it's trolling. Yeah, it's trolling, and and, and we don't have it's to, trolling. And, and Spencer to, uh, Spencer is legitimately that's evasive. I say, hey, hold on, it's, we'll get it's to not, it's, it's not evasive. Totally they've, evasive. They've actually written. Well, wait a minute. They've actually written things about this, and they have made precisely this argument. And yeah, I mean, if it. you actually look at the at the alt right and the various shadowy places where yep. they interact with one another, hmm. they are fighting the one another. Sure. They are arguing yeah, I'm, I'm about whether or not you right. are really a member of In this fact, thing. And, right now, and here's and here's the thing. And if I, if I can pile on and make this yeah. even worse, because this is this is kind of our house, and we're gonna just kick the crap out of you and not let you talk. <laughs> That's not Shoot true. the fair one. That's where I'm not from. true. That's not true. Um, but but look, I, I think the 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 bottom line here is that there the reason we are talking about this in in large part is because of a very sloppy media narrative that suggests that there is this largely uniform body of of people, the alt right, who are endorsing Donald Trump and who he is embracing. And that we are talking about them because they are large and they are influential and they are growing in strength every single day. Um, That is largely untrue. In fact, there are parts of it that are completely untrue. Um, And it it seems important to highlight that and point it out that when they have an event in Texas, that there are almost certainly two to three times as many Mm -hmm. protesters and journalists at the event as there are supporters. And I want to hear Jake's response to this, and I don't mean to jump in, but there's two things about this, and it's actually what prompted me to tweet that was, I was like, just woke up, I was pottering around the house, I had NPR Morning Edition on, and they did a segment on this, uh, you know, uh, white nationalist, which I think is a completely fair word for for somebody like Richard Spencer. Um, I would say fascist. He's a neo-fascist. I don't think that he would probably have much of an issue with that. Maybe he would while he's trying to gain respectability. But um, he, uh, there's a segment on the, the fact that he gave a, a talk at Texas A&M 
And there were probably 10 of his supporters there, 600 counter-protesters, 65,000 cops, et cetera. And I tweeted that after that. I not, went into the office. 65,000 I was something like that because I'm <laughs> rounding up. Uh, Give or take 64,900. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was actually like a, a fat guy named Rick from the San Antonio Police Force. It was Paul Bart. Lovely, lovely guy. He didn't have guy. a badge, but he had a gun. Uh, so uh, – and then I went to the office and um, I saw on the television, I found uh, – I just found the video online afterwards and took a screenshot of it. Uh, a Chiron, uh, the lower third on uh, CNN, that said, no joke, and I can show this to you, I can post it if you want. It says, breaking news, literally said this, breaking news, colon, Richard Spencer speaks at Texas A&M University. I'm Unbelievable. Not joking. not joking. This is actually breaking news. So to, to, I think that there's probably some nuance in Jake's point that I agree with about the about it not being a precise analogy and not being the most perfect analogy. But the, the motivation for that tweet is is this. That we want to, I mean, look, I have to be completely frank and honest and something that I found out when I got in the office. Uh, the television show that I work on, I had a piece uh, about the far, the actual far right in Austria. Uh, and right after that piece, there was, uh, there was one uh, with an interview with Richard Spencer, um, which I wasn't aware of. I was traveling at the time and I mm. probably would have objected to it if, if, um, if I'd known about it. But, you know, I just think the disproportionate media coverage that he gets has to be explained by something. And it is the mania. We have manias in the media that we do. Fake news is the new mania, which I suspect we'll talk about. And another one is the white nationalist in chief, which I think is, um, you know, largely wrong. But I think it's somebody who indulges the darkest corners of the web and refuses to, to, to denounce them. Matt and I have had this argument with Camille on the show that he's like, it took way too long on the Duke stuff and I don't count it once if you don't do it right away. Um, but I think that when you, like the Richard Spencer thing, the elevation of the white nationalists as we're living in this era, because the other sort of spate of fake news that we had after the election was the so-called spike in hate crimes, mm. which is utter nonsense because nobody has established a bench line for, uh, for a, a benchmark for what the previous level of hate crimes were yep. and if this stuff was true. Because the mm. first two big ones that we found out about, false. big, big, turned out both to be false. Um, in there, why did why were they reported with such with, with such a lack of skepticism? Because we want them to be true, mm -hmm. and we want them to confirm to, to confirm this sort of narrative we have in our head that you know Nazis are going to be popping up out of the toilets, and that everywhere you go you're going to have your headscarf pulled off. Um, is this is not something that we should should be cheap about? This is something we shouldn't ignore if it's actually happening. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're we're going into it in a lot of cases with the media narrative set, mm -hmm. and then we're trying to find it. So Richard Spencer speaking at Texas A&M. Let's put that up. You know, when I was in college, within a couple of weeks, uh, uh, Charles Murray spoke. This is right when the bell curve came out. And Louis Farrakhan spoke. That didn't, I don't even think it got local mm, media coverage. Louis Farrakhan. Who is that? Yeah, 1995, I think, at UMass. All right. Okay, so... I, so, go ahead. Break in. All okay. right. I think uh, you, you guys are conflating too much here is the we, main problem I have with this. We're conflating. You're conflating. Let the man speak, so, Camille. So I congratulate, you, I congratulate you both for discovering that the media can be cynical and sensationalized and prone to exaggeration. <laughs> we're it's we're it's remarkable that you, you guys arrived at that. Oh, my God. I think people are going to be bowled over. Um, but, but the problem with what you're saying is that if we stop covering everything that the media and if we – judging the media by CNN – how do you pronounce it? Chiron? Chiron? Chiron, yeah. If we, if we stop covering everything that yeah. the CNN Chiron uh, sensationalizes, exploits, uh, hypes up too much, we'll stop covering the president. We'll stop covering the weather. We'll stop covering just about everything because they can be but counted Jake, what on. But, what does it mean? What yeah. does it mean to the viewer? 
that a guy who has noxious views showed up at a university. Very little. Yeah. So I don't. So, th- I don't, so <laughs> I don't, hold on. Hold on. So, so I don't. So where's where's yeah. I want I want you to point out the conflation. Sure. I also want you to substantiate the claim that you made both yep. on on Twitter and, and here in the room that that no one else here has made. Like so, I don't know where it's coming from that these that that either Phelps or Spencer are simply manufactured by the media. No one is making that argument. I would and make no that one argument. is and no one's made that suggestion. And even even Fred Phelps, I mean, I don't know that he attracted fifty thousand people to him, but he was a lot of places and a couple of people showed up with him. I, he was doing it yeah, before I mean, he the attracted media started doing the, West, the Westboro Baptist Church, everyone had the last name of Phelps. Right. So that that was hey, the point I made. Yeah. Don't it? don't blaspheme them. They married my wife and I I think he may be touching one follower. I think the really fundamental marks of the Phelps family the fundamental thing, actually, is what Moynihan was talking yeah. about. And this is what I brought up to you, Camille, in the tweet was I think the response in part from you guys is because you're reading into this the conflation with Trump support, which I understand because I think that there has been. Well, that's the only reason we are talking about. I, it. I disagree with you. I was talking about Spencer. Let me just give you a bit of background on where I'm coming from with this. I wrote along my last big piece for The Daily Beast was about a, a website called The Daily Stormer. And the fact that Dylan Roof's manifesto uh-huh. had originally appeared in the comment section on the Daily Stormer, I wrote a very long piece basically saying that there was this reactionary movement on 4chan boards. I was writing about poll at the time, uh, which was this 4chan board that later became kind of infamous during the campaign. So I've been following this stuff for a long time. And I was writing about the fact that they were attempting to essentially radicalize the center Mm -hmm. and that they were trying to make people choose either you're a fascist or you're an SJW, Mm -hmm. which is a a term I tend to avoid because I think it's kind of stupid, but everybody knows what I mean. Sure. Mm -hmm. I wrote that in June, May or June of 2015. I didn't write another word about the alternative right for over a year. So I had it kind so this of, is your fault is what you're saying. This is, this is my fault. So what I'm saying is that I'm not somebody who's tried to pump out an opinion a day about the alternative right, but I've followed it pretty closely. It is absolutely true that Donald Trump and Trump support and the Trump phenomenon and the alt-right are discrete things. They are overlapping phenomena, though. For sure. And it's very difficult to measure the actual impact that the alt-right has. But what we know is that the Trump campaign – courted their support, amplified them in a number of ways, retweeting Kevin McDonald stuff. Who uh, retweeted Kevin McDonald? Good God. I, if anyone doesn't know, Kevin McDonald yeah. is a professor at a University of California, I think Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, retired from yeah. one of the Cal UCs. Cal State, Cal State Long Beach, yeah. UC or something. And he um, uh, was tenured. And uh, you know, tenure usually protects the jobs of different types of radicals. It was mm-hmm. protect, protecting the job of Kevin McDonald, who is a uh, scientific racist mm-hmm. And uh, writes uh, book after book about Jewish power. Um, and, you know, uh, there was a while in which, much like the other figures we were talking about, where he was trying to kind of, you know, swaddle this in academic, um, you know, garb and say that this is I'm, this is just the conclusions that I came to based on the research. And after that, he, he said, fuck it, and basically was writing for um, a series of, like, white nationalist magazines. And, you know, I couldn't, they couldn't get rid of him at the university. Um, so he's, he's – there are these guys – that is, the, there are the serious guys that that you know the the coat and tie Nazis take take seriously. Yeah, and you know Breitbart, um, for its part, you know not only kind of provided a platform, but also provided this certain reading of the alt right in which the Spencers were both acknowledged and minimized. 
in a way that suited their purposes, but I don't think reflected the actual dynamics of the movement. So it was more Milo, like, hey, alt-right is Milo, hijinks, trolling, 4chan, we're having fun. Well, well, Milo, who insists that he's not actually a part of the alt-right, but is only a fellow traveler, and I take him at his word. And if you listen to the people who are actually in the alt-right, you know, Milo is like jumped up libertarianism as far as they're concerned. He's a... A, he's a, a libertine yeah. with certain uh, sympathies with their movement, but he's not somebody. He's the the half Jew, gay, uh, with a black boyfriend guy who ascribes to, to classical liberalism. Yeah. It's a provocateur, a, a libertine with certain uh-huh. sympathies. They're happy to use him. What uh-huh. I hear when I hear the kind of stuff you're saying about there's too much being made of this guy. Yeah, it's not that about I, which guy uh, Spencer. Spencer. To yeah. Just okay. come back to Spencer for a yeah. second. It's not that I disagree that there it's been sensationalized. And by the way, like providing all this media coverage of his Texas A and M stuff is I don't just think it's wrong. I think it's kind of reprehensible actually. Yeah, I do too. That being said, it reminds me a bit of the arguments I would hear from you know progressives about these campus Maoists, mm-hmm. where on the one hand it was. Uh, they're so marginal, it doesn't even matter. And then on the other hand, it was they don't quite mean what they say or, they, sure. you know, sure. and I, I just think pay attention mm-hmm. to these people. They have more power than than uh, than that kind of analysis grants them. Spencer, in my uh, study of the alt-right and of these um, kind of competing movements within the alt-right, Spencer's a guy who's exerted some real power, both organizationally and sure. in terms of shaping the jump in? particular yeah. contours no. of its um, ideology. Could you, I don't, yeah, I don't mean to come on a podcast and talk. But, uh, <laughs> and that's, yeah, who am I? I mean, yeah. they, you know, I was getting jumped here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to jump back to Michael's point for a second about them kind of sensationalizing the significance of these events and the post-election haze that ensued. I think the reason we were drawn to like wanting these hate crimes to be true and these SWAT stickers to be accurate is because it it feeds into people's perception that they were right about Trump. What I mean is it's the next firewall. What everybody wanted to do was win the election. When they couldn't have that, the firewall became, well, at least we'll be able to say, I told you so. So they jumped in with, you know, all these hate crimes are happening. And I had somebody call me up and go, yeah, somebody called me a kike on 42nd Street. I'm like, was it your first night on 42nd Street? I'm like, I'm not Jewish. I've been called a kike on 42nd Street about 400 times. This is like an affectionate term at this point. But I think it's become that other thing where people are now frequenting media they agree with. And I think the media gets sucked into this vortex where they kind of know what the prevailing sentiment is. So they try to find stories that feed that perception. Mm-hmm. Because it, it, it is. It becomes its own little bug light where people fly towards it. And being right and winning is more important than progress. Yeah, so and I think, I think more, to the point, by the way, is that, is that the bigger – and I, I would place it in a bigger kind of context than Trump only – is that there has been something that switched, I would say, in the past three or four years – uh, maybe four or five years, where um, I, I won't, I refuse to use the SJW and things like that. But there is whatever you want to call it. There is a movement afoot where um, kind of identity politics have come back with a vengeance. Mm. And I don't think anyone um, who's an honest broker would deny that. I mean, uh-huh. you don't have to read any uh-huh. website out there. Is you know, it's all the same sort of stuff. And I think that when you are talking about white people, 
which is now this very frequent pejorative of like white people this, white tears, blah blah blah. It's the last frontier. It's a, yeah, it's, it's 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 a I think it's a bizarre thing and it's a very lazy kind of thing because it allows people who aren't particularly smart mm-hmm. to talk about issues that are actually complicated yeah. because nobody will challenge them on it. Mm-hmm. And you have this idea that white supremacy is this, you know, all-enveloping force that is actually, you know, pulling the strings behind us and we don't even realize it. Because, you know, it's like going into AA and you say, I'm not an alcoholic. And they say, well, you know, the first sign is denial. And trying to talk about white supremacy the same way is like, you know, you wouldn't know it because you have privilege and you wouldn't possibly. So once you get into these arguments, and this started happening two, three years ago with a real serious, like, you know, every time there was an award show, there'd be 700 pieces from different websites about the kind of racial dynamics and politics of these oh, the award Oscars. shows. Oh, my God. Um, you know, a guy got in trouble the other day at Mashable for uh, saying, hey, there's actually more black nominees this year, so Oscars So White is over. Mm-hmm. And there was, I don't know, he might, I think he got fired. There was some su- oh, suggestion so that he got ridiculous. fired. But all of this out there Didn't is that, Camille do that? Uh, yeah. Often? But, yeah. All, but, what, but to, to, to tie this no. back to Spencer in a way <laughs> is that it's a small... Never get fired, hashtag. It's, an, it's a small sliver of it. But when you have... I always found this at university, like at, at, at college was like, you know, in the 90s, it was the same thing. It was the f- sort of first iteration of this. It was that, you know, if you talk about oppression all the time and if you talk about how stifling it is and how, you know, sort of, you know, all encompassing it is. Mm-hmm. And there isn't much around you to show that if mm-hmm. there isn't much around you to say that, like. You know, what you're preaching about all the time is actually true and it is actually the number one thing that you should be worried about. You start looking for it. You start looking for it in weird places. You mm-hmm. start kind of amplifying things to prove the bigger point that you're making. And I, I see the Spencer thing and just the attention. I don't disagree with Jake at all that Spencer is actually the most pernicious of the bunch because he's a well-spoken guy. Um, he knows his stuff. I always make the, the joke of like, you know, take a random person who's really, really smart and say, you know, debate a Holocaust denier. You're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the Holocaust didn't happen, but you're going to lose. <laughs> These guys know their stuff, and they can beat you. And it does not mean that they so, are right. So and that's I... why I think Spencer's pernicious, but I think the elevation oh. of this stuff is because we have spent years, now the past four years, I think, talking ad infinitum mm-hmm. about white supremacy, about this stuff, and then we have a real one. So let's give them all the attention we can get. And I think that that's pernicious and nasty and dangerous in a lot of ways. Bela? Well, back to your point. And, and going forward, Jacob, if you could just speak in a huskier voice. <laughs> with, uh, I, I feel like I called 970-Teamster. <laughs> but uh, no, you sound great, man. You actually sound like a Staten Island housewife. Oh. <laughs> I love the fact like, great. Yeah. Spencer I love the was fact like, you the know, guy, the guy that's fucking making that joke. I know, is from Jimmy Fallon. Oh, my accent yeah, is like, so offensive. Yeah, you see, yeah, you're this like is how fucking, I sneak up like on a people. Worker. I'm actually British. I sneak up on people with this. Like, this guy's really fucking dumb. Did you hear that? Did you hear the way he said that? This guy knows Joey Buttafuoco. He definitely does. Five to one. Uh, so hold on. I want to get back to that point. Um, because we got a little off. No, we got a little off message there. Okay. To the point of the Trump uh, being an actual white supremacist, white nationalist, and all of that. I, think... I, don't, I don't think that's who he was talking about. Okay. When he said that. Oh. Okay. But he may, he may also think that's true. I think he was talking about Spencer being an actual white yeah. supremacist. Okay. Yeah, he is a white supremacist. But yes. to that point, I think they occupy a, a, a de- they're a demographic within our society that's been around since the beginning of the time that might even be around. Uh, till the end of time, but there's such a, I think, a, in a stronger way in the past. Yes, right, but I think a smaller faction uh-huh. 
than, than we think. And what I really mean by that is not to put it in percentages. It's that we've changed the meaning of what it constitutes to be a real white supremacist, well, to be a real racist. Like, I don't think Trump... I don't, as stupid as this is going to sound, this is going to sound like my accent. I think I don't think Trump is racist. I think he is 2016 racist, meaning in, <laughs> meaning in 2016 terms, he's a 70-year-old man. We've moved the goalpost. I could tell you 100 70-year-old men who you'd say, oh, you, I heard him say that. He's fucking racist. Who would hire black people, hobnob with black people? hang out with black people that don't wish them any ill will. I just feel like we've moved... I can, the... I can find you 60 million of them. Yeah, I guarantee. <laughs> My wife's family's from Wapakoneta, Ohio. Like, I, yeah, yeah, dairy country. And that's where you find a woman. Yeah. Six foot one... <laughs> It is, though. Six foot one, gorgeous, no self-worth. You know what I mean? No. Thinks you're famous. No, yeah. Oh, she has no fucking idea. My wife had any self-esteem. I'm, I'm, I'm on eHarmony right now yeah. as, a, as a divorced father she, of did one. You see, did you share that clip of you in the Robin Bird show? And she was like, <laughs> that's that's huge. Well, that's... I, think, I think part of my concern uh, with, with a lot of these issues boils down to um, it is easy to retreat to making your opponents out to be the worst possible yes. scumbags imaginable. In which case, you don't have to bother listening to the rest of what they say, if there's there any substance is. there, if there's a policy that they're recommending. If, it's, if there's something that Donald Trump is saying that's bad, um, we don't, it doesn't really matter what he said. I mean, what do you expect? He's a racist. He's an awful human being. He's a scumbag. Mm. We, don't have to, we don't have to think about this very much. Um, it, it's almost like you, you get to outsource your, your, your critical faculties yes. um, because these other people are so deplorable. And that, and, that, and that, for one thing, makes me nervous. I think there's, there's something else about this, too, though. And, and, Michael, you hinted at it when you talked about sort of the, the cult of anti-racism um, that has sort of been predominant in, in society for the – a number of years now, and that's John McWhorter's uh, phrase that I just uh, just lifted, appropriated. First um, Biggie, now John McWhorter. Yeah, yeah, it's not gonna it's not gonna stop. Um, but but there's some there's something to be said for the fact that you know the 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 alt right does do something important that is offensive to lots of people, and I think that it is blending racial identity with interest group politics, which. Yeah, that's kind of gross. It's also not new. Um, when Michelle Obama shows up at an event, and this is, it's not the same, but there is a meaningful similarity that people are too willing to dismiss. But she shows up at an event um, and she says, oh yeah, black girls rock. I love it here. There are a lot of white people who say, well, why can't I say that publicly? Why the hell don't I get to say those things publicly? Actually, the we've, fact that we've we, been trained. We've, the fact that we, <laughs> the fact that the fact that we are willing to castigate a certain group of people for being explicitly tribalist, and there is another group of people who are explicitly tribalist, and we say, "Oh, that's great." Not only is that great, we should celebrate it. We should we should put a crown on you. Mm -hmm. We should change the curriculum to accommodate you. If you're offended, we should all genuflect and, and lay prostrate before you because what, what else can we do? Um, there is something really, really um, disconcerting about that dynamic as well. I, I hear this argument all the time, and um, you know, I, I don't exactly disagree with it. I just I think to myself when I hear that, well, but why countenance either? Right. No, this is, but that's that is the point that I'm making. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying. I, I'm not saying anything other than we shouldn't countenance either right. thing. But look, I don't. Think, but I'm saying that yeah. when when we are when we are, for example, 
And and look, the the dominant narrative in the media is like Donald Trump and Richard Spencer. I mean, they they kind of work together. They're friendly. True. Like they're hanging out. They're they're palling around. I don't know that actually. I said sure. I don't know that that's the dominant narrative. That is the subtext. I don't think so. That's not the subtext, but it's not the text text. When he's in D.C., when he shows up at Texas, for sure. The reason they're following him around isn't. Of course, that is the reason that people are interested in it. But they and part of it is let's let's give a little slack to people who are working in political journalism. They just got their world rocked and they're trying to figure it out. And they think this might be one of the explanations. So, I mean, that's because they weren't paying attention. That, uh, that, I don't have any sympathy for that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm just yeah. trying to be I, nice. I, don't, for I, I hear you, but uh, I kick him they the call balls. him Olive Branch Welch. I don't think the people who are honest <laughs> yeah. about that, I don't think the people who are honest about figuring out why they got rocked are the ones who go straight to Richard Spencer. That is also <laughs> you know true. I mean? And yeah. they're not the same ones who are immediately like tweeting around Paul Ryan uh, quotes from CPAC from 2014 talking about like uh, the dignity of uh, of uh, you know people feel better when they earn their own stuff and in the process of that uh, there's so many microphones around yeah. here so when you hear a weird noise <laughs> yeah. it's because uh, I sneezed or had a spasmodic reaction to something but um, basically uh, trying to say that Paul Ryan's saying that uh, kids who eat uh, school lunches have no dignity and which is completely a mangled quote from two years ago that went around the social nets 36 hours ago, totally uh, opportunistically and irresponsible. But I wanted to read because I have it in my phone. I re- referenced a uh, Court Street uh, a real estate agent the other day who has all these signs. About <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I, I went by there again today. This is uh, and uh, Carol Gardens, uh, this real brownstone residential real estate agent who's just got her more uh, flyers up on her windows. Uh, telling kids how to talk to their Trump-loving parents, putting Trump's face next to a pig's asshole, all these kinds of stuff. And there's a new one today. It's wonderfully Soviet, by the way. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) Isn't it? It is incredible. And and like you should – I fucking hate Trump. But it's like – A real estate agent. But this kind of gets to a – Are we at that point where I actually hate his haters more than I hate him? Let me (laughs) – So (laughs) – He's just easy to hate. There's this uh, there's this uh, big image here, which I'm going to show you guys in a second, saying vote because they're going to. And it's a bunch of like man boobs, uh, like rednecks mm. with Confederate flags. Right. No, that's not here. Yeah. And then underneath it says these trolls need to be pushed back in the caves where they were hiding. Mm-hmm. It's a shame they were let out before they became extinct. Now, unfortunately, they will reproduce. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no president. So can it's a eugenics piece. It, <laughs> like, yeah. But but to communicate. Oh, and by the way, at the end of this, I'm going to sell you a fucking brownstone for eight million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, is there any like? Can you walk into that cliche a little more? Part I mean, of geez. the reason why I, I put these up, and I and I'm fascinated by this place, uh, and I, I throw it up on Instagram, and my liberal friends are like, "High five! Descent is back, baby." Um, yeah. Is that these kind of words in this in this language? Would be appalling in any other context. Absolutely, and would be well. Like, it's appalling in this, this context too. The, the it would SPL, just be appalling to uh, to them. The Southern Poverty Law Center would uh-huh. be putting this front and center on their oh, website yeah. as like this is the thing. This needs to be snuffed out, and no one blinks an eye at all in Brooklyn when it comes out. Yeah, let me just. Um, I'm gesturing to you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the one one thing I want to add about what the alt right is and isn't, and I think it's clearly not the same as the Trump phenomenon, but what it what it has done. And I think this gets to your point, Camille, is that it's unified anti-anti-racists with racists. And it's done that through a broad – thin line. Yeah. You know, it hadn't always been such a thin line, but I think the really aggressive identitarianism that Michael was describing um, 
And look, I I think we've already got the caveat, but I don't think that Michelle Obama saying black girls rock is the same thing as Richard Spencer talking about a white ethno state. But I do think not the same thing. But I do think that, you know, I was watching a speech uh, given after the Orlando nightclub shooting, and I'm going to mess this up a bit in the particulars, maybe. But basically, it was a student at a university somewhere and it was a kind of you know one of these like public morning rallies and the it was this young woman presumably a college student just fucking oh can i curse yeah, on this? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. just fucking berating the people in the audience uh like that you're you know you're bad white people with original sin yeah and yeah. this is at a uh, like public morning event for orlando I would often hear in the last few years as I was listening to these debates go on either that those people didn't exist. You know, this is what I would hear from kind of like reasonable progressives or whatever. Either they didn't exist. It wasn't that bad, whatever. No, it's it's not only deplorable, but I think it's very reasonable when people have pointed out that you don't get to choose where that's sanctioned and where it's not. Like there's there's an idea that you want to talk about fake news, the kind of elite media. There's been an idea that the media has had that it has far, far more power than it actually does Mm -hmm. and that it could sanction these were the acceptable forms of identity politics and these these forms that we deem unacceptable won't grow because we've deemed them unacceptable. Mm -hmm. So we've already like obviated their existence. Well, no, it doesn't work that way. But what Spencer has done and what the alt-right has done far more, uh, a lot more people than just Spencer – what's kind of broadened the base beyond um, your kind of frothing at the mouth or your, your really hardcore ideologues is they've taken this anti-PC movement, which has, you know, I think much uh, broader reach and, and much broader appeal and this anti, anti-racism and they've used that, uh, you know, to use the kind of like old anarchist expression as a, an entryism yeah. Uh, to bring people towards sure. white nationalism. They've done that very well. And Spencer has been at the forefront of that. And that's part of what I was trying to get at. Now, I wrote a shitty piece for the Daily Beast where I – It was uh, it was. Quite I know. Bad. It was not good. Um, that happens. Um, it's not the so, first shitty piece Some people have read it already while they were listening. I know. I know. To go Google you Those people read. should go read my uh, tablet piece, which is better. I'm sorry to the Daily Beast, a uh, place I like, that paid me to write that. Well, I they still have it up, so they may right. not have a problem. I didn't sandbag is what I'm saying. Like I just <laughs> – I don't – they're not all um, they can't all triples or whatever. It's a yeah. long season. Nobody goes undefeated. <laughs> um, but what I was trying to get at just real briefly in that piece where the basic premise in that piece was uh, all this stuff about renaming the alt-right from the media is unnecessary. And, uh-huh. you know, frankly, the, a lot of these people are white nationalists. They are white supremacists. And, and actually Spencer is a neo-fascist. There's a much better Straight label. Up, yeah. much, yeah. And, and yeah, in yeah. this piece I wrote for Tablet about Paul Gottfried, he's consciously evoking – you know, he's German idealism, fascism as a political movement, a specifically interwar political movement. But what I was trying to get at in that piece was slow down with the triumphalism, like the media deciding that it's going to call this white nationalism does not constitute a meaningful victory of any sort. And I don't think I did that very well, but I was trying to say slow down with that and mm-hmm. also be conscious of the fact that this is an insurgency. It's an asymmetric war. So they will always stay a step ahead of you with those sorts of semantic games. So there's already a movement now within the alt-right to splinter off. There's the new right and the alt-right. Some of this prompted by Spencer's NPI speech with the 
um, the Hail Hitler salutes or Hail Trump, whatever. Um, so they, they're they very conscious of how to kind of work around these semantic categories. And I was really just trying to caution against uh, a, a triumphalism and also to caution against um, what I, I think is a category error in terms of how the alt-right is thought of. I've, a good point about that uh, fundamentally is all the squabbling that you're seeing in the media right now over language. What words can we use? What what, are the, what is the proper adjective that the New York Times should use, damn it, about this? Um, that's, I think, missing the point um, right. yeah. ultimately. Like right. if you're policing language as your, as your like big response to this election, <laughs> you might be like getting it kind of wrong. Yes. Um, Spe- speaking of policing language. Yes. Nicely well, done. Uh, one, there's this woman, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. she ran for president and she did, she did various other things. She was very, very respectable and she, she was measured and thoughtful and even handed. And unfortunately she lost the election to uh, a bloviating, racist, horrible scumbag. Um, but today she That's makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah. She makes, continue, she makes an appearance. Yeah. Sarcasm uh, there's, there's a lot of sarcasm in there, but I'll let you disentangle yeah, yeah. it. Um, but today she makes an appearance and she, she's giving a speech on Capitol Hill and she who's, says who's wine is that, that there is uh, okay. <laughs> keep going. There is an epidemic of malicious fake news and mm. false propaganda that has flooded social media over the past year. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. And she goes on <laughs> to say that this isn't about politics or partisanship, and suggests that the government, Congress, needs to get involved and do something about fake news. And you know what? She is a brave hero. And uh, I'm so glad she's here to protect us all. No, I mean, look. Because Donald Trump wants to eviscerate the First Amendment. I want to say that there's some, uh, um, this is not, the one thing is not a left-right thing on, is that you get great uh, people on the left and the right on things like this. I tweeted that out, and I immediately got a uh, response from uh, my uh, pal Chris Hayes about how, Appalling this whole thing is like I, I said, you know, that couldn't possibly cause any problems is potentially getting Congress involved in adjudicating what's fake news and then mm-hmm. punishing people based on. And Chris wrote something about how terrifying that was. You know, Glenn Greenwald, for all of his um, uh, things I disagree with him on, is fairly uh, consistent on, on issues like this about, about uh, you know, free speech. But this is – I really have to put my foot down and somebody has to put their foot down on this, on this fake, fake news yeah. Uh, thing that's going on. Fake news is not a real thing. Yeah. Sorry to say. The idea, what, so I'll give you, I'll give you an example. Is Jake Tapper called out uh, Slate last night. Slate had a headline that Ke- Kellyanne Conway, um, not somebody I, I hold in the highest esteem, said women should not be allowed to work in the White House. <clears throat> this was a headline on Slate. And Jake Tapper said, you know, I had some friends that were there and said that that's not what you were saying at all. And so I clicked on the link. And the link actually had the transcript from what Kellyanne Conway said. And it wasn't even in the universe of that headline. Mm -hmm. Now, because so many people get their news entirely from headlines, Mm -hmm. does that qualify as fake news? And under the Hillary Clinton regime of sanctions, how would we sanction Slate on that? Because, you know, there's a lot of bullshit headlines that spin out of control. You know, 90 percent of my friends that are whining and whinging on Facebook about fake news will take a deep breath and then go back and post something about Monsanto. Yeah. This is also <laughs> fake news, my friends. I'm sorry to, sorry to inform you of this. But so this, this, this latest thing, this Pizzagate business, which I had mm. to waste two fucking hours today trying to figure out what it was. Because, because but, everyone, every reasonable person that I know was ignoring Pizzagate. Mm-hmm. 
until I, this happened. I, I, yeah. Look, at, this is not, I mean, we have to prevent this stuff from existing and it's always existed. The first thing that humans did when they got the internet was do two things. They watched pornography come on their stream pixel by pixel, waiting and waiting <laughs> to masturbate. And then when they finished masturbating, they started writing a Clinton death list, <laughs> sending that around to every one of their half-wit you friends. You didn't always have to finish. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, exactly. It just took too long. And, you know, this idea of fake news. And Thank God gave you so two many hands. Fake news. There was, did you see the Washington Post corrected yes. this, uh, this story? They quoted a fake news they, source. The fake news source in a story about fake, fake news. news. This, this really? kind. Yes. Yes. This, and they corrected Proper not. Right? Yeah, pro- yeah exactly. The Russian, yeah. you know, yeah. proper not, who God knows who's responsible <laughs> for this thing. Right, and, anonymous. Anonymous, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, the thing is, is that with, with <clears throat> fake news, it's always it's inevitable when you talk about fake news, you're going to get burned yourself mm-hmm. because that's the business of news. I mean, you're mm-hmm. anybody who's worked for a news organization remembers those times. You have to walk something back. You have to realize you got burned by a source, somebody who's tricking you, whatever. If there's a difference here in degree when it's deliberate and, you know, we're putting this stuff out on Facebook, Twitter has to do something about this. Well, here's all the time. The people who say this are journalists who are on Twitter all day. Most people aren't on Twitter all day. They yeah. get this stuff through email. They get it, this stuff through Facebook. And they also get this stuff through just the internet mm-hmm. at large. What are we going to do to constrain the forces of evil on the internet that might tell you something that isn't true? The only thing I can say to, to that is that, you know, dumb people will believe dumb things. That's it. That's the end of the story. There's no legislation. Yeah. You know, if you put things out there like, I, you know, this person, um, you know, he believes in Holocaust denial because he came across it. Like, you know, if it wasn't Holocaust denial, it was going to be something else. Mm-hmm. If somebody who is in the sort of frame of mind to believe in a conspiracy theory like this. So, I mean, this idea that there is an epidemic of fake news is itself fake. We have no evidence. Mm-hmm. We're talking about fake news, yeah. right? This is what we talk about this all the time. We have no evidence that that's, this swung the election a point zero 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 one percentage points. None. We have not quantified this in any way. It was not an exit poll question. It was something that was created after the election. Mm-hmm. So how do we talk about fake news as if there's this dangerous, sinister, mustache-twisting phenomena without any evidence to suggest that it actually affected people? Well, we... there, was a, there was a thing today. I'll say one more thing on this. There was a thing today. I, it was BuzzFeed. Uh, I was talking about Pizzagate, right? Mm-hmm. And they had a... They had a pretty... Just think about how bad your life is. Exactly. You just said that sentence. The only reason I fucking did this is to come in here. It's the only reason I did this. If I was not coming in here, if I was going home to see my daughter, I would never, ever talk about stupid pizza again. So (laughs) BuzzFeed has this piece. I didn't insist on this, though. You did. Yeah, I know. I did. It pissed me off so much. Um, (laughs) BuzzFeed has this piece, and they have a quote from somebody. uh, Two things that I thought were hilarious. Roberta's, which is a pizza place. In uh, in Bushwick, it's kind of his hipster pizza place. It's been famous, popular for some it's time. It's actually good pizza. It's actually really good. <laughs> that's the problem. Is that this problem with hipsters is they actually do stuff that's good, and I want them all to you know be under fat man or little boy. But I want you know to have the espresso <laughs> oh too. You know that's my only problem. But it's this great pizza place, and then it's just like somebody took a screenshot of the of the um, the pizza place on Google Maps and said, "Look at the name of the places around it." And it was like they were like vaguely sexual names. It was like Swallow Cafe. <laughs> Somehow this meant something. BuzzFeed puts this tweet in the middle of their story about Pizza Gate. I click on this tweet, by the way. It's been retweeted eight times. Oh, my God. Nine times. Something like that. Um, it could be someone faking it. It could be something trolling it. We have no, no way to know. Right beneath that, it said this story, which was, which was the sort of, you know, Rosetta Stone of Pizza Gate, et cetera, was, and I have to look up the language. It was 
shared, reacted to, or liked 2,000 times. 2000. I have done things on the pieces for the Daily Beast where Jake and I used to work together that would have been read and reacted to on um, Facebook, you know, 600,000 times. It's not uncommon on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I have a video of me uh, talking about Cuba and John Stossel that's been watched on Facebook 4 million times. I'm not influencing anybody on this issue, but people scroll by it, it plays, and you get a tick up there. But the weasel language in this thing about fake news, that it had been reacted to, re- it's like all conflated into one thing. Those reactions might have been negative. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. And it's to create this idea that there is an epidemic of fake news that we're all falling for you know, and that's like the, the, the websites are like cbs.tz. You can't figure that one out? Yeah, Seriously, no. you dumb motherfucker? <laughs> you can't figure that one out? Like, you don't deserve to, the attention I, if you I can't figure that, that one out. Like, if you give your social to the Nigerian prince, which is how Camille and I met, yeah. you fucking deserve <laughs> whatever <laughs> comes next. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. I've been to Roberta's. They're actually in trouble, too, for a lack of unicycle parking out front. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to lose their lease. <laughs> fucking fuck that. <laughs> but I mean, does anyone like does anyone think There's this a, is a real thing? This fake news business? You know what's, you know what's, yeah. you know what's uh, the, yeah, exactly. do you know what's the epidemic? There's an epidemic on epidemics. Exactly. Yes. Oh. How many times has Hillary Clinton said in her 30 years in public life that we have an epidemic of X? We had an epidemic yeah. of video game violence. We had an mm. epidemic of internet pornography. You mm. know who's writing the fake stories? Super predators. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of goddamn satanic. Stuff. As soon as you say there's an epidemic, and if you can get a kid somewhere on the receiving end, mm-hmm. then boom, you've got a, a congressional hearing. You've got a new law. Hopefully, a constitution. Constitutional amendment. This is really, I mean, Hillary Clinton's whole career mm-hmm. has been about that. The stuff that she that she has embraced the strongest. The whole text, not just the subtext, but the text of her 1996 book, It Takes a Village to mm-hmm. Raise a Child, mm-hmm. is about there's an epidemic of all this nasty, horrible shit that's happening in the mm-hmm. world, and we need the federal government to get involved to stop it, to help parents, because they uniquely do not have enough time in this mixed-up, shook-up, capitalistic world of ours to protect themselves against mm-hmm. this onslaught that's coming into them. And so for, in the past, it was about the internet, it was about video games, it was about entertainment, Hollywood, which she tried to crack down on. More recently, it's about uh, Islamic terrorism and Facebook and social yeah. media uh, causing people to be suicide bombers. But the whole thing is based on this notion that there is an epidemic. The word mm. epidemic has a definition. Hmm. That definition has to do with like communicable diseases. Mm-hmm. That yeah. ain't the Internet. No. It yeah. never was the fucking Internet. Everyone yeah. pretends like it's the fucking Internet or That's, anything else. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not. An epidemic is when I've got the clap. And I yeah. fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Which has happened no, once. And I was like, I, it was, no, I was like, you. I didn't, we were both drunk. I mean, whatever. You're libertarian. Yeah, you can right. still catch the pot so, when so, you're drunk. But the one final thing I'll say about this, and I'll give the credit to, um, again, I hate using this, but the media in the United States is that the media, and again, I hate doing it, but it's a self-hating group of people, right? Mm. We are doing something wrong. We overestimate our power. We are the ones that are swaying you towards a bad vote, et cetera. If we only identified things in the proper way, then, then we would, you know, you would be okay. So the uh, American media on things like fake news have been exemplary. That's fine. We've been a good job. I'll tell you, people who hasn't, I'll tell you a version of this that is not right-wing, uh, this is, we have a right wing version of this in this country because the, the, the pizza the pizza gate thing is from right wing lunatics, 
There is a left-wing version of this, exactly the same story, probably some sort of wrinkles of it that are different. Nobody has pointed this out. Last year in the United Kingdom, there was accusations that a Tory MP, uh, there's a Tory MP pedophile ring, and that they murdered people, murdered mm. children, at this uh, safe house, like two blocks from the House of Commons. This was in every British newspaper. I actually, you know, the Daily Beast actually included a Daily Beast uh, uh, piece. A guy who's generally I really like is a good journalist. Uh, put this up there. Uh, you know, in the in the headline, there was no hedges, and it said it said in the Beast story and in um, the Telegraph story and the Times story, it said this guy who went by the name Danny or something, uh, a victim. He is a victim. He was a victim of this abuse, and he said that he saw somebody kill. The police uh, dismissed all of this out of hand about six months later. I had an argument with a friend of mine who's a British journalist and very, very smart. He said, no, it's true. It's part of this whole 70s Operation U-Tree, Jimmy Savile kind of mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But it was satan. There were some satanic elements to it. There what was it was the classic moral it's heavily, panic. Heavily spread by uh, Anonymous, capital A, Anonymous. Yes, it was. Played a lord. I, I don't know the particulars of the case. Yeah. I know child pedophile ring sure. sa- satanism murder yeah satanism murder all this was but no, reported but no pizza no pizza, no pizza uh, no, wh- they, that was like the real tragedy they wouldn't even give them pizza hold on, hold on. Um, <laughs> the the uh, they, they don't have a Roberta in London um the, the thing about this is this was this was published by every mainstream news organization with the minimal amount of skepticism. And it's a part of this you don't want to be skeptical of somebody you're referring to as a victim in the peas. But this was a fake news story propagated by the actual news media in the United Kingdom. And then it got a couple lines that the police said that there was absolutely no evidence of this. No kid had been missing. This such and such detail didn't line up. You could have told you that from the beginning because anybody who lived through the panics, the satanic panics of the 1980s, the child care uh, thing in Massachusetts. McMartin, McMartin, McMartin in L.A. The, yeah, the McMartin one. Uh, um, um, there's a recent book by a lefty journalist who's very good. Who's on, I had him on the radio show uh, called We Trust the Children um, about this phenomenon. It's a classic thing. This Pizzagate thing is a version of that that is hyper-politicized. But yeah, the, the, go ahead. I'm sorry. The fake news. Uh, I got to disagree with you that it's um, – media self-loathing. I think in a lot of ways it's the opposite of that. The self-loathing is actually part of the kind of, this is probably too strong a word, but a kind of um, messianism is too strong. But the the fake news, yeah, the fake news, I think, is an exculpatory tactic in a lot of ways. Why did we get this uh, all yes. so wrong? We got this all so wrong because right, we were we were competing with this external toxin, which actually uh, invaded the body and prevented us from that's right from doing uh, the the good work we that's needed right. to do. The thing to me, uh, first of all, the number one story everybody should go read on fake news is by this. Uh, absolute killer journalist named Harry Siegel <laughs> writes a column for the Daily News and he he is my brother but he also had a fantastic piece on this in the news in which he points out he makes a number of very smart points uh one of which is how the Times immediately turned to this after the election was over. Oh, the hate right. crime thing? Yeah, the, and, and the New York Times turned into like the all fake news – we're the fake news watch after the election, which I think goes to the thing about it, <laughs> yeah, it being an exactly. exculpatory tactic. The other thing my, my brother points out is how useful this is to New York politicians, mm-hmm. right? So de Blasio – whose popularity has been mm. going down, wants to run against Trump in New York City. Of course. Because yeah. that'll help him. You have these city councilmen in New York who are, uh, you know, they're, they're pumping this for everything it's yep. worth. Um, but it, it seems mm. to me more broadly in terms of what's fake news, what's not, 
Mm-hmm. Nobody ever mentions maybe less news would be better. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, you know, you never Absolutely ever true. hear that, which which We're suggests to me. Yeah, we are. But it also suggests to me that everybody who's talking about fake news has a very deeply vested interest in news mm-hmm. as a as a intrinsic good. Yeah. Now, I'm not arguing that news is an intrinsic evil or anything, mm-hmm. but maybe this yet. is in part yet. But, but it, it seems to me that some of this is a, a question of of what news has become well, and, think, the, and the volume required sorry. to sustain that. I think there's two things to that point. I think I think this whole uh, proliferation of fake news and alt-right and kind of uh, overinflating the importance of that stuff and the influence it has on society is just based on the fact that, like, Hillary needs to tell these Saudi princes something who think they just got influence <laughs> in the government when they donated a year and a half ago because they're fucking mad right now. <laughs> it's like these people ponied up, like, hundreds of millions in yeah. charitable donations yeah. thinking they could call shots in the White House and you, now they now got saying, nothing. Uh, this is the fake news? That's yeah. what happened? No. Okay, no, I, no, I totally, I understand. Now, now, they already built now, yeah. the Hillary Clinton presidential yeah, library. You have no <laughs> idea. It was ridiculous. And now these guys pick up the phone and it's like, the number you have reached. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what? Hold on a second. This is supposed to be the desk phone at the White House. What the no, fuck is this? I, 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 yeah, continue. One, just one other thing. Uh, my brother's retired city cop. He worked in uh, the major case uh, squad, which is bank jobs, ransoms above a half a million hate crimes. He sat at a desk, didn't do shit. My brother Joey really did fight the ground war. He went 20 and out and and retired on the first day he was eligible because it was such a political position that 99% of the people there were there by hook and weren't doing anything. So he was like catching seven cases on a Friday because somebody else was on the clock but coaching his daughter's softball game and shit like that. And they had the kind of hooks that would allow – that would absolve them of any type of, you know, disciplinary action. But – you know, and this is not to discredit every hate crime that's gone on since the election because I, you know, I don't know the particulars of all of them. But in their estimation, this is just, I, you know, believe this is his opinion, but in their estimation and the time he spent like guarding embassies and shit like that, he says that about 85% of anti Semitic graffiti is fake. And it's usually written by people on the other side who want an increased police presence at a particular location. Um, if they want extra police at an embassy, you know, they can blow something up in a garbage can outside the embassy. And it's also not attributable to, let's say, I'm not saying Jews are writing anti-Semitic graffiti. Let's just, to bring it full circle. <laughs> I don't mean to go, no, I don't mean to go full Mel Gibson here. Yeah. I'm going to go like, <laughs> go, go on, go, sugar tits. I want to go Doug Gibson, like his cousin. <laughs> My brother, is, no, he's also told me that in his time, in terms of things he's heard about embassies and stuff like that, I've had several people uh, in, in the NYPD tell me that, you know, guys who have embassy detail, say you're guarding an embassy over on Fifth Avenue, it's a cream puff gig. You're eating like six sandwiches a tour. You're sitting in a car with the heat on, listening to radio, watching porn on your phone, whatever you do. A lot of times when they get shifted off of embassy duty, they'll drive by after work and light a garbage can on fire. Or somebody will pump two bullets into the side of a brownstone. Because the next day, the chief gets a phone call and goes, hey, we need eight cops out here. And guess who just got off his fucking foot post in Times Square? Or his foot post 17 blocks from Yankee Stadium. You, you know, you can't make like a Serpico of this. We're, <laughs> it's kind of like boring, but it's like that's the corruption of the we're, yeah. we're getting to Bush new here. I think yeah. so. Pretty yeah, soon. Pretty uh, soon that steel's going to melt. Exactly. I, but I want to go, go back quickly. I, to, I just want to say fuck everybody. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I mean, it's pretty much what this podcast is. Yeah. To Jake's point is that um, I actually agree with that point. And I think that they can run kind of parallel. And the two things is that 
the, there's a, a, a perception amongst people in the media that if we had only done X, Y, and Z, we could have communicated with people more and we could have get a different mm-hmm. result in an election or whatever. I think there's an overinflated sense of the, the kind of position the media is in today versus maybe 50 years ago. But, you know, on the other end of this, it's, it is this to, – to Jake's point, which is I think, you know, absolutely right. It is the New York Times – and I guess Harry wrote this. I didn't see Harry's piece, but Harry's a great columnist. And by the way, mentioning New York politics, there is no family in New York that knows more about New York politics than the Siegel family. Mm. Harry <laughs> Siegel, uh, Jake's brother, and his, uh, his father, the great Fred Siegel from uh, I guess now at the Manhattan Institute – uh, right, still mm-hmm. kind of you know St. Francis College. Yeah, okay. oh, well, all right. I know right. I know him from Flash Dancers. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. works the door. There. Yeah. I just want to be clear, he works the door. There. Yeah, his coat check. Fred Fred keeps his tits in his. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it is it is this thing that allows uh, people on the on the other end is like what what you were saying, and I had mentioned this I think on this show before is it's like. What it is is a sense of uh, false consciousness. Mm. Is that only you know the old Marxist sense that only if if, if you'd only known uh, if the capitalist class hadn't perverted you with these kind of messages, then you're just suffering from false consciousness. Otherwise, you'd agree with me, and that's essentially what the kind of top line thing on the fake news story is: is that it it absolves everybody in a way. It's like we're we're a good culture. Mm-hmm. We're good people. Mm-hmm. Uh, the news media did a pretty good job, but there was this interloper that came in and misinformed good people, and then all of a sudden, this is what happened. I would we- find it so much more convincing if everyone who was talking about this and propagating it in any way started with, as a throat-clearing exercise, here's what we got wrong. Yep. Huh. Yeah. Here's not just about the election. Here's the drug scare. That doesn't exist. You know what? It wasn't bath salts that Mm -hmm. the guy was on when he bit someone's face off. Two of them now. There was another fake bath salt story the other day. There's always a kid in Florida. There's always a drug scare. There's, you know, this, the, the gender pay gap. It's kind of bullshit the way that we report on it. Mm -hmm. The, the sex trafficking, the woman who spoke at the democratic convention as a sex trafficking victim is not a sex trafficking victim. That actually happened this year. No. Yeah. She was listed as a sex trafficking victim and she wasn't. She was a uh, like a domestic. Was she a sexy traffic cop or something? No. I mean, what was the where was the she misunderstanding? Was, she was. Uh, it was like a, a immigration card domestic slave, more or less. She had to like clean up a lot, but she wasn't a sex trafficking victim. But because everyone has on their minds sex trafficking victims, she was introduced that way, ID that way. Seriously, we wrote about this, Elizabeth Nolan Brown on Reason.com. Because everyone has in their mind that we have all these sex slaves all around us, especially mm-hmm. in New York with all the diplomatic immunities and where some of that's probably true. Um, no, I mean, people propagate this bullshit all the time in the mainstream media constantly about a variety of topics. And I wish if they were going to talk about this stuff, they would start off with their own culpability. Yeah, Beginning I mean, there's, with there's, the Daily there's, Beast there's, and Vice <laughs> News. There's there's a lot of stuff that, uh, that there's, what's going on here? Something's happening. There's a lot of um, No, I think we forgot a, to turn on the clock. There's I've got a, no uh, idea how right. long we've We forgot on. to hit record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that, that <laughs> Which would be, the case be too. a great thing for America. Welcome, it's everybody. Still, <laughs> it's, still, it's still been cathartic. It's fine. Yeah, no, but I think that this is a lot of this stuff is, you know, I mean, the Standing Rock is a great example of this, is that there's a lot, I mean, the, the amount of nonsense out there about things like this, is that when you get into this idea of fake news, does it have to be Sandy Hook conspiracy theories? Or what is what is the actual cutoff? Well, yes. I mean, what about, yes, what about just... Well, what that, about that this? stuff uh, is... But there has to be a distinction between so, fake news and wrong. Well, yes. I, I think yeah. there's, yeah. But there's, exactly. also, there's also something to be said for, for the fact that any consumer 
of journalism needs to be skeptical of just about everything yeah. that they read. You can't not, train not people, in yeah. a not in a stupid and ignorant way. This is true. It's obviously true. Here's the here is the evidence. But I'm super skeptical, anyways. But in a discerning, thoughtful, critical thinking way, and and I suspect that one of the problems, in addition to perhaps overvaluing the role uh, of of sort of the profession of journalism and believing that they are perhaps immune to to making the sorts of errors um, that would lead people to make bad decisions, is the belief that, one, journalism can be completely and totally objective, and two, that journalism from certain sources is always accurate and trustworthy. This is always the right thing, so mm-hmm. we can we can totally go with it because they got it right. Um, and 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 finally, that most Americans are generally speaking like reading the news in order to be up on all of the issues and to mm-hmm. know what's going on. There are a lot of presumption there uh, that I don't know is supported by any sort of evidence. Um, I'm not sure that the proliferation of fake news is what tilted the thing for Donald Trump because I'm not sure that the news in general is is responsible for tilting the th- t- tilting the election for Donald Trump uh, in in any sense. So it's at least what worth responsibility do people have as news consumers? Camille, can I? Uh... I mean, I mean, we have to uh, like mollycoddle these people and say that mm-hmm. we have to protect you, like Hillary Clinton saying we have to have legislative action. Like, you know, it is incumbent upon the news reader to determine. Yeah, what it's is really fake condescending. It's really condescending. You just yeah. you don't it, know better. Well, the it, problem I have with that is that a, a brief digression <laughs> about the news business. I know media. Inside baseball is fucking insufferable, but um, that's that's what we do here. It's okay, fine. A brief digression. People seem to like this. it. <laughs> um, a few years ago, right when I started working at the Daily Beast, my first professional journalism job, I was already in my thirties. I spent my twenties in various bathhouses, bars, yeah, <laughs> more, more or less. I see yeah. what you did yeah. there. Jake was actually going to say Afghanistan, yeah. but bathhouses is fine. Uh, so I I didn't start until I was in my thirties, and uh, around the time I started the Daily Beast, the Gawker guy. Uh, John Cook. Yeah, John Cook. That's his name. He gave an interview right around the time I started The Daily Beast where he, in this interview, basically said that he didn't think – he was questioning the idea of journalistic ethics basically, a kind of separate code of ethics for journalists. And I look back at it now having worked as a journalist. I kind of understand where he was coming from. I think what he was trying to say at the time was – we don't need this inflated sense of ethics for journalists. We just need a kind of conventional – ethics. I was so angered by that at the time, though, and in some ways still there. I'm still angered by it, though. I, I now can appreciate more where he's coming from. I know people who've worked for him who say he's a good guy. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but what bothered me about it so much is that as a new, you know, kind of young journalist, I wasn't actually young, but yeah. as a new journalist, no, I needed to know, here are the parameters, here are the rules. And yeah. I think there was very, very little of that and I was looking for it, even though I was, whatever, 31 when I started in that kind of staff reporter way. I wanted that. I wanted to know, here's how you stay within these parameters. And if I chose to go outside outside those lines, I could go outside those lines. There's very little of that. And so a lot of what fake news is to me is fucking 24-year-olds bloviating yes. to fill space. Yes. And I think that the the simplest possible solution to fake news would be – Fire all of the children. No. The children need to learn. But teach them. Give them a beat. Let them go report on it. Send them outside That's to go do something. 
Um, you know, I mean, look, maybe look, it won't, look, but I think that look, that, in a lot of ways, is the source of what is. But it is a rational. Anybody, that's a rational submission. No, no, it's right true. There. I, I know. I, I agree. But in anybody who's listened to this podcast has heard me rant about this in the past. That the idea. Listen, no one who's 50, listened before 50, is listening again. Oh my god, that's <laughs> not right not now. True. No, Stop no, literally right now. They're like trying to find bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're real because I want to eat somebody's face right now. No, this I, I've said this in the past of um, journalism. It, it is this and the only annoying bit of nostalgia that I have because I hate nostalgia. But it is actually true, and I do believe this: that the old way of doing journalism. And Matt, you were you came up in a in a time when it was still like this in a lot of ways. Um, I was on the cusp of it, where you know, if you got a job, you you know, as a journalist, and you just got out of college, even a very good one, you might be if you were lucky. Be reporting on town council meetings for the Toledo Blade, mm-hmm. and the, what is college? Yeah, well, that's that's your thing. Um, but now, because of you know, this is the kind of coal in the furnace to keep all this, all these uh, websites going twenty four hours a day and content, content, content. You have to produce four or five pieces a week. I mean, and and nobody gets out of the building because it costs money, and no one wants to pay anything for it. These places don't make money, etc. You know the whole routine. But, you know, it is really good to cut your teeth on something boring. I see people who are 23 years old. I can think of someone right now from a publication that maybe I used to work for, maybe not, who uh, maybe just got out of college and writes, you know, 25,000 word think pieces on why there aren't enough sort of, you know, transgendered Albanians in the new Jurassic Park. That's the kind of stuff. And you have an audience of 55 million people that read this stuff and they just, you know, walk around with this. Like, you know, I have reached a huge audience. I have, you know, X number of followers on Twitter and stuff. Like, you know, look, I am annoyingly nostalgic about this. And I think that you should be able to, you should have to learn a trade in the way that you learn a trade to fix, you know, but there is boilers. A, but there's an appetite for it. And I and know, I, I know. Look, we've, we've, been going, we've been going a very long time. All right, all right, uh, all right. I want to pivot to one more thing because mm. unless we... Jimmy special? We address this. And, and, and in fact, Jimmy time. Jimmy actually has some expertise in this area and mm. he, could, he could even plug his special five times while uh, responding to this. Um, but uh, last week... Someone? Last week, uh, his Amazon Amazon Prime special, which it, I hear is remarkable. Stop it. it. It's all right, unbelievable. man. It's all right. The, uh, the yeah. night we taped it, we did a special thing. We did like a, a special, you know, ticketing thing where it was $10 to get in and 30 to get out. <laughs> I, I emptied the playbook. The, the, the burly armed men. Can I tell you one truth? Well, yeah, get into what you're going to get into. Well, I was, I was going to ask you guys about this, uh, this epic media event that took place um, last week, just after we recorded. Young 24-year-old internet bombshell. Uh, oh. Who uh, is always commentating on things. Tommy uh, Lauren. Tommy, Tommy Lauren was, uh, was matched up with uh, Trevor Noah, hmm. the uh, South African import. Uh, who is uh, apparently some sort of comic. I am using air quotes. You can't yeah. see it. Uh, I am skeptical of his mm-hmm. comedic ability. Actually, I don't think he has any. Um, who stepped into John Stewart's shoes, completely unable to, to fill them, and is, has been having difficulty finding his footing until this, mm. this great night when he brought on Tommy. Mm. And he had a conversation with her. And they, they matched wits, and it was absolutely awful but the media coverage of yes. the event suggested otherwise and i hadn't watched it mm-hmm. um i'd only seen the coverage and it was just i mean everywhere unbelievable like it, he's incredible he has his best night oh, ever which again yeah. is kind of like That's, tallest midget yeah. in the room yeah. um but i could go on and on about how much i hated this 
mm-hmm. from all sides, and someone just farted. Um, it's actually a chair. Was <laughs> that Moynihan? Yeah, no, it farted. does smell like dick in here. That's so much <laughs> odd. And it's warm. We're going we're to wrap this up quickly. Uh, please, it sounds like it sounds like you watched this thing. I Jim, did. Can you tell me what, what what your thoughts were? Because for me, it was it was unbearable yeah, and yeah. sad. And you want to know my honestly? Inside. You want to know what my thoughts were? Tell repeatedly. How much time is left in this? Like over and over, you know, when you jump ahead to the end of the video and he goes, this is eight minutes, this is 19 minutes, I'm not investing in this. I had the same experience you had where I didn't know it happened. And then I got hit by that wave of you've got to see this. And first of all, he's a terrible fucking interviewer. He's terrible. He's fucking on. He's really I hard. really want to like him. I want to give him a one chance. Of my, I want to be heterodox and be the guy that does like him. Can I tell you something? <laughs> one, of, one of my true regrets, really, it, it's, a, it's an actual like a, a regret that kind of burns at my integrity a little bit, is I did a review of the first episode of the New Daily Show for The Federalist where I was trying to be a fucking sport, comic to comic, because he plays some of the rooms I play, and one of my better pals got the warm-up gig. And there was a point where someone had asked me about submitting to be a correspondent. So I wanted to, out of deference to all of those things, be objective in covering the show. And I was like, oh, it's the first show. They're trying to find their sea legs. But it was new and it was different. And it was, you know, it was this whole fucking thing. And, you know, I tried to be a sport about that and kind of wrote like, I'll be a little silly and write some jokes, but not fucking take a shit on what I thought was a horrible show. Yeah. And I did. And I, my integrity deserves to drop a notch if I had any left when I agreed to come on today. <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever that, pi- it out. that pink envelope you were sending me of the overdue integrity. Yeah. <laughs> but first of all, no, he's a fucking terrible interview. Here's the second thing. The, the left, the people consuming that show have been desperate for a kumbaya moment. And they decided this was it. Uh, because they identified everything she was saying as hate speech when I thought she made more factual arguments than him. Well, she she didn't really. Well, no, no, what I mean by that is I didn't find it to be fucking hate speech yeah. so much as I found it to be a sensational reaction to her speech. But then yes. people jumped in with, which become this new thing, is how do you give her a platform? That, so this is the, this her, is is the thing. She gave him a platform. This she is has more thing. fucking viewers <laughs> than him. Viewers than uh, Let's start there. So this is the thing that ties back into the previous conversation here. We have uh, Charlemagne the God. Yeah. Uh, who, a friend um, of the K-Train. Super talented. Charlemagne? Yeah, I like Charlemagne's him. great. We've had great had radio personality. Oh, oh, oh. I have hot sauce plus. in my purse. Yeah. That doesn't play well here. Did Charlemagne come on this show or the one that I was doing on Sirius? He came on, remember? must have came on. The one yeah, because you guys are on, here. and when I was hosting that, Charlemagne came on. Yeah. I know Charlemagne. You know Charlemagne. Yeah. He's a great, great guy. No, I got his. I got his number in my cell phone. It's although ber- he he doesn't he doesn't actually know my name, <laughs> Kamal or something. yeah yeah yeah. Kamal, yeah okay. that's, well, that's what I call. It's you. fine. Yeah, that's, it's, I've, I've been it's kind of his thing. I've actually I'm been calling sure. you Alex Haley for years. I don't know why. <laughs> it's the same thing. But and so he's he's a great guy. We've had him on. We've talked to him. Um, and I disagree with him a lot. We had a thing actually. He came on my show on series. We talked about the Panthers. And and I like Charlemagne a lot. Charlemagne um, also made a, uh, tweeted something about this Tommy, whatever yeah. the hell her name is. He's done. And, he's done her online show. Yeah, yeah, and he's done her show. She came on his whatever, and she said he said like you know some of these pe- these woke people out there should you know d- do like she does and actually make something of themselves and yeah. do something good. And he he made, named himself Jackass of the Day for doing that. By the way, because he got a lot of heat for it. But the thing that that the response to him was this: it was exactly what Jimmy was saying. It was exactly what happened with um, with uh, Trevor Noah. Is we have, and it's a, it ties into everything we've been talking about tonight. Is we have to protect the people because they're too stupid. Yeah. So why are you giving this woman a platform? Yeah. I mean, it's not Richard Spencer. 
Like, you can have a moral crisis by putting on a show of billions and billions of people, millions of people, of somebody making a fake scientific argument that the Holocaust never happened. Uh -huh. You can, you should feel like shit about that because yes. that is reprehensible in every way. You have somebody that is existing within the mainstream of American politics, and if you don't like that mainstream, I'm sorry, the center has shifted. I think that's true. But she's in the mainstream of American politics, right? I mean, she's she's like a right-winger and a, a huge Trump, fucking following. She, she is, she's, she's a Trump idiot, you know? She's like not... I mean, she's not Richard Spencer in the future, mm -hmm. like seven, you know, 100, 200 people. She has a huge following. I don't like this woman. I think that the fact that the 24-year-old halfwit who's dribbling through an interview mm -hmm. and can't put together a <laughs> coherent sentence is talking and yammering about how she's a conservative and probably would think that Russell Kirk is her dentist. This is not somebody who's like, you know, really bright. So whatever. Leave, leave it. But this goddamn response... Like we should we how Charlemagne did you give this woman a platform? You're playing no. like you think fucking Charlemagne's listeners are like listening like oh she got a point. That's not true. It doesn't happen. Like people can you, can you can, do that impression again? People out there that was like Richard Pryor. Uh, <laughs> people can't like we have. There's actually a certain point where you have to say we trust that people can deal with these views and actually bat them down. And Charlemagne but can bat them down, and my, Trevor now. As a comic, though, like I really, I watch it differently because yeah. uh, I really watched it from a standpoint of just what, judging him as like an interviewer and a comic sure. and a. Uh -huh. Trevor Noah is where Disney's Hall of Presidents go to feel charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> he is a fucking animatronic nothing on the show. And yeah. people are like, oh, my God, it was so good. Do you yeah. ever see it the was, promos for his show, like when you're watching South Park or something? Uh, it's like, tonight yeah. on The Daily Show. And so you think, okay, you're going to give me the best 15 seconds, uh -huh. right? And they probably have. It's yeah. terrible. No, it's that, it doesn't like matter. I want to stop watching South Park because I'm. You know what the Daily Show has become? Again. The Daily Show has become. Have you ever taken a shower where there's not enough water pressure, and yeah. you're just waiting for that fucking moment to get you over the top? It just it doesn't happen. <laughs> you're just like, come on! I'm paying fucking thirty eight hundred a month. I can't get a fucking steady stream. <laughs> you're, you know, you're conflating. A few <laughs> that sounds like one of the webcams yeah. that yeah. subscribes yeah. to. But yeah, I'm sorry. So Steadystream.de. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I haven't really. I don't know the woman who we're talking about here. Who's, Tommy? I'm she's a, she's you've, this, you've seen uh, her. She's okay. a junior Foxbot in training. She's like 24 years old. She's okay. on the blaze. She's a uh, lookup finalist for okay. Secretary of State. Gotcha. <laughs> she's Right now, she's behind Dog the Bounty Hunter. Yeah. That daily show thing. But, no, but ahead of Dana Rohrbacher. <laughs> to bring this full circle, though. Yeah, there she is. Okay, yeah, she looks familiar. Uh -huh. um, yeah. does, she, does she look familiar? And yeah. to give yeah. some a, a bit of depth to, to a journalist, since I've been shitting on journalists a lot, uh, Dave Weigel. Weigel. Weigel had a, a story early in the election cycle I thought was really good about how shock jocks had kind of pioneered a style that had found its kind of full expression mm -hmm. in Donald Trump. Yeah. And, uh, or, or, you know, yeah. had been picked up. I thought that was really good as a guy who, like I was saying, grew up listening to Howard Stern. Um, I really respect people who can be interesting on the radio and mm -hmm. just keep you interested by talking. It seems to me like Trevor Noah is a guy who people think they're supposed to like. Yes, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Charlemagne's a guy who you want to listen to. Yeah. Because no, he's interesting. He's got yeah. real talent. Because when he talks... And he's, you, talent, and he's kind of yeah. a dick. And like in a funny way. That's I what I mean when I say he's interesting. Listen, yeah. he, you know? he took... He a, says interesting things. Yeah. He took a shot at Kanye West, like one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, that's a ballsy interview He took move. a shot at Kanye he West. He shots at everyone. That's what I mean, though. But you got to respect it. He's got real street cred. He takes shots at dudes who have real street cred. But you want to know something? He could host the Daily Show 
show, and you yeah. would have an evolution of what John Stewart started, which was an yeah. enlightened discussion with humor sprinkled throughout. And, and, mm. and I think that, I think that the end of this there's an end point of both of this the era of of uh, Colbert and um, John Stewart was John Stewart retires and you have mm-hmm. a complete nothing like yeah. uh, Trevor Noah, who's not only nothing but accused of stealing jokes, too. Um, and then he takes over and makes that show just, like, insufferable. It's and awful. then I, I, I haven't watched Stephen Colbert's show very much. And I watched one today good. on the Pizzagate thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was a 10-minute bit. And oh. it was it was towards the uh, John Oliver thing uh-huh. where, like, when he was playing that character of the blowhard right-winger yeah, yeah. like Bill O'Reilly, it was really funny. And there was... And this was just, I, I realized, I was watching this halfway yeah. through, I'm like, he's just like yelling at me. Can I, he's just can like I... t- telling me why all uh-huh. these people who believe Pizzagate are stupid. It's like, it, well, of course they are. They're conspiracy they, theorists. They're all activists now, like Seth Meyers. I, this is Myers obviously. Especially. Oh, Meyers yeah. cried on the air after Trump won. I mean, that discredits you as a comic. You're just an activist. You're he didn't, nothing, really. He did. Well, okay. he weeps He's because his mom... Discredits activism, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but I do think, to some extent, like, late-night comedy failed Hillary Clinton in a way that it didn't Barack Obama. When they took out Sarah Palin at the knees, they were funny, so it was effective. Stephen Colbert just stood there and called Donald Trump orange with bad hair every night for fucking 600 days. It kind of lost its impact after a while. You're the comic, man, but the joke doesn't land if people don't buy it. That's what I mean. It's just stupid. And it went on and on. And they kept doing it, and they never found that effective way to take him out. And the more they all seemed unified against him and kind of unfunny, I think the more it empowered people to go, hey, this isn't who we are. Just the same as when, like, they were burning flags at his rallies. That didn't turn people against Trump. I think that was there to be like, hey, this has gone too far. Let's stop. Because they liked what he was selling. Maybe. But, I mean, yeah. yeah. Look, I'm, I'm, and I'm glad we're, we're ripping Trevor. I do want to turn back to, back to, Tom, to Tommy uh, quickly oh, okay, yeah. for just a moment. Um, listen, there, there were I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm a little worked up here. I don't – this is you worked up? Yeah, well, a little bit. Worked up, little Camille? Bit. It's, this is a different sort of worked Let's up, Camille. Look, I, physical. I think <laughs> physical. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be brief. Look, she went on She went on the air. She she knew what she was in for. I, I didn't expect to see sort of intellectual firepower brought mm. to bear. But her responses to questions of some significance, like mm. the conversation about Black Lives Matter, for example, um, when your opponent has a perspective and they mm. offer it, and they they make they're making an argument. Perhaps they have evidence to support it. Mm-hmm. You could address the evidence. You could talk about this in a thoughtful mm-hmm. way. You could perhaps even suggest. Pre, 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 you could present their case in a way that they might actually respect. Um, or you could just call them crybabies, mm-hmm. which is what Tommy does mm-hmm. when she's talking about Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. and the fact that he won't take a knee. Her outrage is because you are disrespecting the anthem. Mm-hmm. There is no argument here. Mm-mm. There is nothing thoughtful happening here, and it it is it is disgraceful and sad that people who responded to this affirmatively, mm-hmm. either in his corner or hers, like don't see like the obvious lack of depth and substance. Well, I think there, that, there's a I, reason. I just, there's a reason that there was never going to be a real Doogie Hauser, and it was because <laughs> at 16 years old, if you're going to put me under the knife, I'm like. 
I, I actually need some flight time here. I need somebody who's been yeah. in the air for a couple. Tommy Lauren yeah. is 24 years old. I was going to say this. I, there's no way she could read mm-hmm. what you need to read mm-hmm. to actually have a good sense of why Colin Kaepernick's, for instance, if you want to take the negative, the anti-Colin Kaepernick side and you want to say attack the shirt of him, you know, with the Fidel Castro Malcolm X shirt. It's so easy. It's, it's like you don't – I mean she can read a couple of bullet points. It's the same thing. And the problem with cable news – and the number of times that I would get into a green room and somebody would say, here are the topics and some, you know, like semi-attractive woman would be frantically Googling them before she got on <laughs> yeah. the air so she could find what, you know, Jonah Goldberg said if she was a conservative or if, or what somebody in HuffPo said if she was a liberal and then give the pricey version of that. And it's like this is the point to back to what we were saying before of just as Jake said, and I totally agree. It's like there's too much news. Yes, it's just it's too expansion. much. Of it. It's like I don't need. Yeah. Uh, nobody has expertise anymore. Mm-hmm. Very few people anyway. And when we do, like when 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 Gawker, you talked about John Cook and these people. When Gawker would do like a FOIA request, and they would get some document that like moved a story forward like you know half an inch. People would be jizzing on themselves yeah. all day, like, oh, Gawker, did you see that? This amazing journalism. It's this incredible thing. And then you'd think about it, and you'd be like, if the New York Times did that story, you wouldn't even notice it. Yeah. We're like applauding these people because they do such garbage that once in a while they'll like hit like a, like a single, they'll bunt a single, and people be like, oh my God, it's incredible what they're doing. They're doing such amazing journalism. This is the new frontier. It's like, no, it's not. The Times is doing this all the time. To give credit where it's due, though, um, their FOIA was one of the first with the the Clinton emails. A, yeah, look at you know, look at that. Yo, and that's the problem with this is with Gawker is that they ended up doing things that were pretty good. They didn't have a great hit ratio. They did too much shit to good, and you know the batting average is fairly low. But before they did that, anytime one of these guys would do like you know some reporting where they like instead of like being snarky about something and calling people names they would pick up the phone and everyone all the entire media because they were reading like this uh, people us people in New York reading Gawker all the time they would faint on themselves and be like this oh, is so amazing so incredible this journalism is great it's like no, that's what it's supposed to be the only thing that could ever make me root for Gawker is a uh, supervillain billionaire um, secessionist <laughs> but that's a different story but um, uh-huh. Camille uh, I think that's uh, that's a good point about, uh, you know, like the, the way in which a lot of this news is just people retreating, not even retreating into their priors, but, but just like we say code yeah. word that you uh-huh. you'll yeah, cheer yeah, for sure. code word uh-huh. that we say. Yeah. I, I think that that's a lot of it. What's interesting about this fairly frightening moment that we're in mm-hmm. right now is the way that the priors have been scrambled. Right. So, OK, flags still translate. It translates the same way it always did. Kaepernick, bad flag. But then you've got like Hannity saying, oh, Assange is good now. Right? Yeah, yeah. WikiLeaks sure. is good. So yeah. that kind of associative, like, we just feed you back the thing, and mm-hmm. in this kind of feedback loop, it's obviously still exists, and it's depressing, but it's been scrambled in these kind of weird, totally almost it's like still psychedelic tribal, it's still ways, right? You know? I'm just waiting for the people who post on my uh, Facebook page about Standing Rock to tell me what Standing Rock is. Hey. I don't think they know. <laughs> they don't. Hey, they don't he, know. Trump sold his stake in that energy company. It's the first time he sold a stake someone wanted to buy. <laughs> <laughs> hey! That's like Catskills, Jimmy. There it is. There you go. There Man, it a million is. of them. Uh, well, look, um, we've gone a very long time. Jimmy, can you give us the skinny on the uh, on the Amazon special? So hold on, my special, uh, which is called State of the Union. Oh, uh, it's it, very appropriate. It premieres uh, on Amazon Prime Monday, December 19th. 
2016, two days after my 40th birthday. It's exciting. Whoa. It's a fun 40. Um, if you subscribe to Amazon Prime, you just get it for free. I don't give you, you just have it. Um, oh, really? If you don't have Amazon Prime, that. I do. If you don't have Prime, you buy it. Uh, you know, you can buy it or you can rent it. As I was telling the guys earlier, are HD. you inviting us uh, to your watch party? I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't decided how I'm going to handle this because yeah. I have a lot of promo and weird shit that night. Yeah. But uh, just to give you the backstory and how this works, and I'm excited about it. Um, you know, if you're like Chris Rock or Dave Chappelle, you know, just to put this in perspective, it's a black. Why'd they you get a call when you said that. <laughs> well, just across the room. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if you're Chris Rock, Dave, you get a call from Amazon that's like, hey, you know, we want you to. You know, we want you to do a special. Here's twenty million dollars to do a special. Net- Netflix, no, well, they do right? in that instance. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're Jimmy Fallon, you get a call from Amazon. It's like, hey, Carrot Top has the flu. Frank Stallone's not picking up the phone. I think he's driving his Uber again. Sounds like he's got an airport. Shirley Hemphill's apparently dead. Can you get down here? Yeah. And bang this. And here's here's three and a half million. This right? is a full story. Though. There's a whole evolution of special. We'll do this in thirty seconds. This was shot for real in August of 2015. With the guys of the production company behind it, the back line, the project, because I write for a couple TV shows, you know, do some media hits and shit like that, um, wanted like a state of a union-y, hey, I'm going to weigh in on kind of the American lifestyle, and uh, we're going to have some fun with it. And, it. and from a content standpoint, I was fucking thrilled. Like, I couldn't have been happier. Uh, in the process of giving it to network, meaning people like the Showtimes, the Netflixes, and the CISOs of the world, um, their reaction to it was, this is great if we can cut these 12 minutes. Huh. 12 that might contain maybe a Caitlyn Jenner joke, you know, something about, you know, the PC mafia, shit like that. There's a joke they were very upset with. Uh, Time Magazine, if you want to hear the joke, I'll tell you the joke, but it's fucking people have lost their mind. They're like picketing to take down the trailer on Amazon. you have to give us, you have to give Are us you serious? Joke. I tell a joke where I say Time Magazine put out an app today that tells a kid what his name would have been 20 years ago. You basically, they show, you know, today's baby, trendy baby names, and they show you on a chart, like, where it would have ranked in society. So, like, for instance, if your parents named you Grayson, uh, 20 years ago, you would have been called Faggot. And they were like, yeah, that's out. Like, in the first actual, in the fucking... Super good joke. In, like, uh... Okay, well, there's another one. They didn't like that one. <laughs> I can't I believe you didn't like that one. How did that Stop not... It. How did that land? But let me explain uh, to you how this... Thud. Let me explain to you how this works. No, no, just, the room destroyed because they got it. And of that's course. The, and that's the jump off into why I told that joke, why I knew it would work. There's an actuary table, and this is the problem with society now, and shit like that. So, uh, you know, when I got back the first cut of the special unbeknownst to me like I didn't know these changes were going to be made it was just not there uh. and then it was explained to me like yeah yeah we're going to go out to shop this but what if someone's gay we're going to go out to shop this what if someone's female we're going to go out to shop this but what if someone's strange well ho- like, hopefully they'll laugh I was like yeah. so why don't we just sell a special called Jimmy says hello and goodbye it's quick <laughs> the kids like a fast video this day and we fucking get out of here so, <laughs> so, so, saying how they, if they're transgender if they're, I'm just saying how about if they're humorless and like obviously well, that's it's not you know the malicious. joke the joke that really was the be all end all and uh, let's fuck everybody but <laughs> I do this whole narrative about Caitlyn Jenner and things on that and and I'm trying to tie it together with where I'm at in life and why I feel the way I do and I say what uh, young people don't understand the significance of the Caitlyn Jenner story because if you're under 25 you know uh, Bruce Jenner is the dad on Keeping Up with Kardashians I go but if you're our age I'm 39 I go Bruce Jenner was the biggest male athlete in the world like when I was a little kid like this would be like if Serena Williams were to become a woman you know I mean? <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like, but people like fucking lost their mind. I actually say like it's not. It doesn't mean she's not attractive. I shook her hand in Times Square. She's gorgeous. She was my cheat car with my wife when we met. I just have a thing. I true? love Serena Williams. Really? But I just understood you could tell that joke and get the reaction because of narratives and shit like that. But they were like, oh fucking fuck no. 
So, like, basically, it was originally configured as, you know, yeah, networks will air this if it's me talking about raising a kid and I used to drive a cab and go Yankees. But, like, I was like, but that is the core narrative. So what happened was um, we gave it to Netflix as a, you know, this is the way we want to do it. Would you do it through a distributor called BitMax who feeds, you know, aggregate content to all of these sites? And Netflix uh, – excuse me, Netflix. Amazon said, yeah, we'll throw it on Prime and, and give it, like, an exclusive release. And then what will happen at the end of a month, it will go to like iTunes and Google Play for like purchase. Because back to my original point of not being Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock big, like I don't help them sell subscriptions. So they're not going to take that big of a chance on that level of joke. But I give them a lot of credit for letting that get through the submission process because a lot of big networks, you know, this was not, this was not shot with the ambition of, yeah, and we'll throw it on Amazon and get 10 cents a fucking click. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like for me, if it goes to like, you know, back to this whole narrative of scattered media, if it goes to Showtime, if it goes to Netflix, if it goes anywhere, you just need it to be fucking good. So I'd rather live and die with what I thought the best version of it was because the credit isn't that significant one way or the other. You know how many, so, you know but, how many friends I have? So who, you lost the Serena joke or the Serena joke? No, no, it's all fucking in there now. Oh, yeah, okay. And the closer. <laughs> and when you watch the – I'm not going to say the closer, but if you watch the end of the whole thing, which is like the tie-up uh, – I, I, it's my, my hope, my implicit hope that you, you, you appreciate the fact that I left it in because it's not that it's particularly offensive. It's just based in like just a real genuine reaction that, that anyone should have in conversation. And, you know, it's, it's a great for comics and people like I was – we were talking about this before we started of uh, Colin Quinn's special New York Story, which is on Netflix. And yeah. Very, very funny. But you uh-huh. should only watch after you've watched Jimmy's Watch Jimmy's special. first, but it's very, very funny. And, uh-huh. and I would do the air quotes of, uh, like it, it could be deemed offensive in bits. It's fantastic for comics that uh, Netflix and Amazon exist because there's no advertisers to target. Yo, it's a big deal because you just get the bang out content and go. Yeah. Um, that, that's the one thing, man. We're yeah, in the, the golden age. are always advertisers. I mean, yeah. it really is, is that, you know, I've worked for magazines in the past where, you know, we've had to have meetings about things because big advertisers jump because of comp you know, content they thought was offensive. Yeah, and I think we're going to get past that, though. I think that is the one value we'd all benefit from under a Trump presidency is we are going to get desensitized to words a little bit. We're just going to have to. You think so? I, in a, in, to an extent, yeah, because we were living in that world, uh, like that Justine Sacco world, where the faux outrage mafia was literally taking jobs from people off the back end of a tweet, people they'd never heard of, they weren't familiar with their body of work. I've already seen that slow down. Like, if the faux outrage mafia had power, there's no way Trump wins. So president-elect strike you as a guy with a thick skin, Jimmy? No, not at all. I mean, <laughs> that, to, that, to that fucking point, no, not at all. That, no. Uh, but fucking watch my special. How about that, Jacob? Yes. Yeah. How about, yeah, how about yeah, you yeah. fucking stay on message? Yeah, I got my right, sandwich so board on now. Backing up. Because you want to talk, we'll get out of here. We'll go have a chat. You should get out of here. I got to get out of here. Yeah, work, well, buddy. So listen, it's five in the morning. This has been, it's been real. It's been a lot of fun. I don't know how many how many hours we've been going, so, uh, but this is this That was is pretty good. good for five people. Yo, I want to say this. I'm pretty fucking buzzed. Like, I'm a nine on a scale of one to Matt Welch. In terms of drinking. Kidding. A lot of fun. Don't know what that means. All right. Well, we will we'll see you guys next time. Gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Yo, thank you, Jake Siegel. Thank you, Jimmy Fallon. Love you guys. Yeah, I should I should have done that, shouldn't I? A lot of fun. Right. We're done. Bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse. The fifth column.